Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Monday, a busy weekend. More shootdowns of unidentified objects that had incursions into the U.S. airspace, the most recent on Sunday afternoon over Lake Huron in Michigan, another over Alaska earlier in the weekend. But there are more questions than answers. There are more silence by the Biden administration than transparency. And that is resulting in some really difficult questions being asked by members of Congress and by national security experts. And so we're going to take on this topic full time today. Everybody in America is talking about this. They want to know what's going on. Why now? What's been going on? Is it just China? Could it be Russia as well? Those are some of the questions being asked. And I'm hearing a lot about Russia maybe being behind one or more of these inanimate objects that were found over the weekend. So we got two great guests. The first is the former director of national intelligence, a former U.S. ambassador to Germany. Rick Grinnell is here, and he's going to give us his assessment of what's going on and why the Biden administration's response furthers the global view that America has become weak. We're going to talk to Ambassador Grinnell about that. And then we'll turn to Victoria Coates, the former deputy national security advisor to President Trump, one of the premier security thinkers in the country. She has a lot to say. One of the things that we're going to talk about with her is the vast rise of illegal Chinese immigrants crossing the southern border. Statistics put out over the weekend found a 700% growth in Chinese illegals crossing our border and being encountered by the Border Patrol. That is a mammoth growth. And again, 700% is more than the actual total growth of illegal aliens. And so it's a sign that there may be something more specific going on with China that's concerted along with the balloon and other issues going on. Now, a little breaking news that occurred a little bit ago, President Biden, at the request of the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, fired the architect of the Capitol, a guy named Brett Blanton. This after there was a inspector general report that found he had misused a government vehicle and alleged that he had impersonated a law enforcement officer. That is a big moment coming out of the White House and a bipartisan moment. This is something that both Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden agreed on. How about that? Something of a bipartisan nature. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break in a second, and then we're going to come back with Rick Grinnell and Victoria Coates, two of the best minds in the security space to talk about airspace incursions, NORAD, China, Russia, and so much more, including the announcement today that Americans should immediately, immediately leave Russia. A lot of people are theorizing that that may have something to do with a response about the balloon. But in the meantime, I want to turn to one story that my amazing colleague, Natalia Middlestat, wrote, because in my mind, it is the marriage between the Lois Lerner IRS scandal a decade ago, where the tax-exempt division of the IRS went after conservative groups simply because they were, well, conservative. And the disinformation office, which was briefly stood up and then eradicated from the Department of Homeland Security. Why do I say that? Why is this story the marriage of that? Because for the first time, we have compelling evidence that the IRS is involved in speech regulation, something that Congress did not give it the authority to do. All right, let's look at this and see what, what it is that we're talking about here. There was a group 
uh, associated with Phil Klein, the former Kansas Attorney General, the Amistad Project guy, the guy who's done a lot of valuable work in the election integrity space, giving us the inside skinny on Zuckerbucks, for instance, right? That's a big story, a very important story, and one that I think we all appreciate. Well, he was involved with setting up an educational nonprofit called the Adams Baldwin and Covey Foundation, Adams Baldwin and Covey Foundation. And in the course of setting that up, the IRS Exempt Organizations Unit sent a letter, and they were asking questions related to whether they will get approval, whether this group would get approval as a tax-exempt organization. And the questions go to speech regulation. They go towards thought and speech. And whether in the IRS asked questions like, do you have any policy or policies or guidance in place to avoid unsupported opinions or conclusions? or inflammatory language. That's interesting. That's a speech question, right? How are you going to ensure that your educational activities are fair and unbiased? Wow. Those are pretty significant questions aimed at speech regulation, freedom of speech and freedom of expression. This has nothing to do with anything more than thought control. It's not, this doesn't determine whether someone should get a tax exemption. There is no speech clause in the IRS tax code that gives the IRS this authority. So take a look at this story. This is Lois Lerner 2.0, where Lois Lerner meets the disinformation office. The IRS now regulating conservative groups, grading their speech and whether something is going to be disinformation or supported opinion. I thought opinions were free to be expressed. Doesn't seem like something that the IRS should be getting involved in, but clearly it is. And we actually have the documents. You can go look at this story on the site and you will see that we have the documents. We'll also give you that great video reminding you that a decade ago, Lois Lerner, well, she took the fifth. A very important piece of historical memory. Whatever Lois Lerner was doing, she felt like she needed to take the fifth in order to do that. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Rick Grinnell, former director of national intelligence, former ambassador from America to Germany, will be here to talk about, well, a pretty dramatic weekend. We have not seen four military shootdowns in the skies above America in modern history. How about that? All right, we'll be back right after these commercial messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order 
plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. So many questions, so few answers from the Biden administration. Four objects shot down in the last nine days above our skies. Not a lot of explanation. One was allowed to traverse the entire country. We know that to be a China spy balloon. Then it got shot down. The other three shot down at various times as it was migrating across the country. We've got the perfect guest to help try to make sense of all this. He's the former U.S. ambassador to Germany, the former director of national intelligence and one of the premier thinkers in our country when it comes to security and diplomacy. He is Ambassador Rick Grinnell. Mr. Ambassador, great to have you back on. John, such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've been watching your Twitter feed all week, particularly over the weekend. Really prescient thoughts about the Biden administration. People are simply not getting answers to all of this extraordinary activity above the skies. What do you think is going on? Well, first of all, I think for for any normal person to look and see that we've got um, spy activity going on and there's no government reaction I know that everybody thinks, what what in the world? How could this possibly be? How could Biden be looking at a spy balloon from China and not reacting? And and I think that there is a reason why the Biden administration um, reacts in, in ways that most normal people see as weak. And and the reason is, is that the the Biden team and Joe Biden for 40 years has always maximized the idea that consensus with the other side is the goal and is the ultimate. So Donald Trump came in and he said, you know what, I'm going to put America first and I'm going to make decisions according to what's best for America. What Joe Biden has done for 40 years and what what the Democratic Party uh, will message is it's not worth it to put America first, that what we should put first is a consensus with the Chinese or the Russians or the Ukrainians or the Europeans to have a calm, uh, you know, relationship where the other side likes us. That's their priority. They want to be liked by the other side. So I've always said that the opposite of America first is consensus with the Europeans or consensus with the Chinese. And, and that's what we're seeing. This is why Joe Biden is unwilling to put America first and shoot down a balloon that's clearly spying and then come clean and, and tell the American people, look what we found. Look what we found um, up in our sky. That, and it traveled across the United States before they even reacted. And I, I'm quite convinced that the only reason they reacted is because of the outrage from normal people, which included a lot of independents. It wasn't just Republicans, but Democrats were puzzled. Independents were puzzled. People couldn't understand why are you not shooting down a spy balloon from China that we've seen the secrecy of the Communist Party and what it does during COVID. Uh, They lied and they covered up what could have been an accident, could have been, uh, you know, something planned. but, But regardless, we should all agree that the Communist Party of China covered up COVID in a secret way and made things worse. And this is what's happening with the spy balloons. And and we need an administration, we need a leader that will look at the situation and say, I'm going to put America first. And then we'll diplomacy is about dealing with the outcomes after you put America first to have aggressive uh, leaders in the diplomatic community that will stand up and solve this problem. I mean, we have a disastrous U.S. ambassador to China. And, and you know, what, what the Democratic Party and what Democrats in the Senate have come to expect is that you're going to have these weak diplomats who just like to, you know, go to restaurants. 
Yeah, isn't that amazing? No real definition of what the American interest is, whether we're talking about the war in Ukraine or what our policy is going to be if a spy balloon comes across the United States in the future. A lot of frustration in Congress about the lack of briefings. I saw an interesting tweet from you over the weekend saying maybe it's time to abandon the gang of eight. What do you think needs to be done to get right with Congress right now? Well, you know, this whole idea of the gang of eight is a intelligence community created process where instead of going to the intelligence community members, uh, the whole committee in the Senate and the House side, they create a smaller group. And so they created the leaders, the chair people of the the different committees, and then they add the the speaker of the House and the minority leader um, and the majority leader and the minority leader on the Senate side. And so they created this this thing called the Gang of Eight. And I have to say that I think that it's a problem to only brief a small section of people who who have power. It's it's why we had the Schiff problem, the Adam Schiff problem. When you create um, too much power in one person, like an Adam Schiff, who is the head of the intelligence community, when you create um, the, the system where he gets and only he gets access to certain information, then you are putting too much power in one politician who can manipulate the whole country, and Adam Schiff did that. I'd like to see the Gang of Eight uh, dissolved, and I think that the intelligence community would too. I know the career officials in the intelligence community, and they don't like just briefing this small subsection and putting power in the hands of some uh, of uh, too few politicians. It's better to brief the entire intelligence committee. If you are a member of Congress or a senator and you get to be on the intelligence committee, you deserve to have full oversight of what they're doing and you deserve to have full access and transparency on what the intelligence community is doing. Um, I don't I don't buy that that creating this small subset is making us better. I think it's making us uh, less safe because you're you're creating power in, a, in too few people. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Just real quickly, the train derailment in East Palestine, obviously long-term concerns about the farmland in the area, the chemicals. It seems though this is maybe the latest example of our transportation secretary simply AWOL on the job. Your concerns about the way it was handled and also the long-term effect on farming and food supply in that region. Well, look, I think um, we're seeing another example of what just how dangerous it is to to give people jobs because of uh, characteristics about them that are irrelevant, but that somehow the politics puts as a priority. And so when you give someone a job because of their skin color, when you give someone a job because they're they're gay or, um, you know, for any reason that is an irrelevant characteristic, uh, you really create, I think, not only a problem for the country because you're hiring people who are not qualified, but you're also doing a disservice to the minority groups. I mean, who, who wants to be given a job simply because they're gay? Uh, I think I can't think of anything that's more offensive. Yeah. No, it really is. And he just, you know, all through the airline crisis, he kept telling us the next one will be better. The next one will be better. And it was just as worse all the way through the holidays. There seems to be a really credibility gap with his management of the transportation system of America right now. Well, when you, John, if I can add one thing to that, when you see him talk about um, issues, whether it's a press conference or, um, you know, some sort of announcement, um, he always starts with like this irrelevant information about, you know, um, equity and, you know, he's supposed to be the secretary of transportation. And yet he sounds like the, uh, you know, the equity officer at a fortune 100 company. And, and we're all for inclusion. Um, but, but I, I, I think that the liberals of today um, are some of the most intolerant people because all they do is think about um, these irrelevant characteristics and, um, you know, they're, they're not including conservatives. They're not including anyone who doesn't agree with them. And so uh, I find when I see Mayor Pete come forward and talk about issues, it's, it's never a, a smart, 
talk about transportation. It's always this irrelevant characteristics about subgroups. And to me, he creates division because he keeps uh, pretending like we're all uh, in different boxes. And, and I think Dr. King taught us, you know, that you're not supposed to uh, look at someone and, and make judgments about their skin color or sexual orientation that, that, you know, we've fought very hard in the gay community to be accepted as a whole human being, as someone who should be um, held to account on our um, liabilities on our, and, and take responsibilities for uh, everything just like everyone else. And yet I see Mayor Pete working really hard to try to create um, the gay community as a fringe group that is so weak that needs to be protected. That's a great analysis. It's spot on. Speaking of liberal indoctrination, I had a story over the week and all the times the FBI has taken information from liberal or ideological sources and how it's backfired on Russia collusion. The school board associations request to treat parents as domestic terrorists. And this past week, they took some stuff from the SBLC, Southern Poly Law Center, and suggested that Catholics who like to go to Latin mass are somehow white supremacists. Obviously, the FBI to withdraw that. The FBI seems to be unaware that partisan groups have a partisan motive when they give stuff to the FBI. How do we fix that? Look, I think it's a real problem, but it's part of the woke problem of Washington, D.C. This, um, the bureaucracy has, has become uh, so infected with, uh, with wokeism, and, and they've convinced themselves that somehow it's helpful. And I think there are more and more people realizing that it's not only helpful, it's actually harmful. And, and that's what we have to be able to message. Um, you know, I, I can't help but think about all of the reporters that race to use this information uh, and they use it as an anonymous source. And it's pretty clear that there's like six, six people within the intelligence community that keep leaking partisan uh, information in order to gain some sort of political leverage. And we, we see the same reporters in Washington, the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, that all keep using these same people. You would think that they would learn the lesson after 51 of them signed a letter uh, saying that Hunter's uh, laptop was Russian disinformation. And then, then the, uh, the real story came out that not a single one of those 51 people ever saw a piece of raw intelligence that suggested that, nor did they get a briefing. Literally, they never saw a single source of intelligence before signing that letter. They all jumped to sign that letter because they had a hunch, because they had a partisan ax to grind. Not one of them saw a single piece of intelligence before saying that. Think about that. They used their own partisan editorializing three weeks before an election to tell people, don't look at the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden connection on that laptop that suggests um, Chinese involvement, Chinese businessmen. And, and they just said that's Russian disinformation. I think that there was large cheering in Beijing when, uh, when, when all of the media and all of the Democrats said, don't look at that Hunter Biden laptop because it's Russia, Russia, Russia. And and even Joe Biden during the debates brought it up and said, this is Russian disinformation. He's never been held to account for that lie, for that spin, for that that election interference, John. Yeah, such a uh, you're right. He's walked away with like so many things he's walked away from without any accountability. Last question. It was one of my favorite tweets of the week. And I flagged it. The State Department has all these crises, China spy balloons and the Ukraine Russia war, difficult relations in the Middle East with Saudi Arabia used to be an ally. And their whole uh, plan this weekend was to focus on diplomacy through food, i.e. cooking. seems like the priorities might be a little out of whack there, huh? Look, I, I, I'm, I'm all for using soft power, but inherent in this idea of using soft power is that you're actually using a hard power as well. And, and this, is, this is the trouble that, that I see that the State Department is falling into. Um, the Democrats have successfully mocked tough diplomats 
Um, they certainly mocked Trump's tough diplomats. They mocked me. You know, they they you had Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut who who was saying that I was too mean to Germany and that I was too tough on Germany. And he is actually one who voted to get rid of the Trump sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline only to cause help cause a war in Ukraine. So while I was screaming about Nord Stream 2 and keeping the sanctions on, Democrats were saying, you're too tough, Grinnell, so let's get rid of these sanctions. And I, I would argue that caused the war in Ukraine. So we need tough diplomats. And, and the problem that I have with the State Department and this new cuisine diplomacy is that it only emphasizes the, the weakness of the State Department, that somehow we just sit around and go to meals and we speak lots of different languages and we sit on riverfronts uh, with other diplomats, you know, talking nonsense. And, and that couldn't be further from the truth. We need tough diplomats. I've always said we need a, a cone at the State Department of people who sign up to be at the forefront of crises and war, where you throw diplomats into uh, the crisis situation to try to solve it peacefully before you send in the tanks, before you send in the massive military that is, you know, a group of people that, that don't negotiate. They just go in and take military action, which is super appropriate, which is something we need. But as a good diplomat, the best way to solve a problem, for, for to have a tough diplomat at the table, the best way is to have the military option behind you in case you fail at that table. In case you don't come up with a peaceful solution, you can say as a diplomat, if we fail here, then the military, the U.S. military is coming behind me. I got to transfer the file over to the Pentagon and they don't negotiate. So here's your last chance. Can we negotiate? And my problem is with this current State Department, they've never done that. They haven't offered any diplomatic solutions for Ukraine. They've allowed the Pentagon to run right over them. And what do they do? They show up and say, let's have cuisine diplomacy where chefs are going to make meals and somehow make such a good meal that Putin is going to lay down his arms. It's, it's laughable and it's offensive to the State Department foreign service officers who want to solve problems. They do. They saw you do it. They saw you get NATO countries to pay their fair share working with President Trump. It can be done if you focus on the serious stuff and not on the frivolous. Mr. Ambassador, it is always an honor to have you on the show. We get so much clarity. Can't wait to get you back on real soon. Thanks, John. All the best. You as well. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump, will be here. She'll give us her take on China, Russia, and everything else going on in the space today, including the massive surge of Chinese illegal aliens crossing our southern border. We'll have that right after this commercial break. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We're going to stay on the topic of national security today in another extraordinary weekend. Three more shootdowns of unidentified flying objects. As little answers as we possibly can get from the White House. So we're going to turn to one of our best experts on the issue of national security. She's the former deputy national security advisor to President Trump, has advised presidents and members of Congress for a long time. She is Victoria Coates, and she joins us right now. Victoria, great to have you back on the show. Thank you, John. A lot going on in this space. I'm curious. Uh, we know the first 
Uh, unidentified object turned out to be a Chinese espionage balloon. A lot of people speculating that the ones coming in from Alaska and elsewhere might have been from another country. Your take on what we're, we're learning right now? Well, I mean, I think the shocking fact is that the United States and to some extent Canada has had fighter jets on the, in the air for really the last 36 hours, if not longer. Uh, and that we've had four live kills over the United States and Canada over the last eight days. I mean, this is unprecedented in my understanding. And, you know, that that is just shocking in and of itself. So, you know, that's kind of where I'd start. Then the next piece of the puzzle, as you say, is we, where do these things come from? And my concern is that they might be from a combination are we seeing a coordinated Chinese-Russia effort here? And that's that's really what makes me worry. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think it's a lot of people starting to wonder whether we're developing an evil access again, uh, more back and forth between Russia and China and their threats. Today, the State Department asked all Americans to immediately leave Russia. What do you read into that? Well, that's the big question, is why is Russia such an intolerable threat today, and it wasn't last week, because the previous travel uh, warning that the State Department put out was last September when Russia did the additional call-up. So apparently nothing has changed in the intervening months until today. And so that makes me wonder if they have evidence that there is some Russian culpability in the in the unidentified flying object attacks. I'll get you all uh, encouraged. That is a great question. It's sort of what I've been getting to hear from people in this town, too. One of the most amazing things is that somehow Joe Biden's response to these four episodes has brought Republicans and Democrats closer together. First, by a unanimous vote of 419 to zero, the Congress condemned China for the first incursion, which is more than Joe Biden actually did to condemn China. But today, Democrats sound just like Republicans saying, Joe Biden, where are you? We need a briefing. What is going on? We're in Congress and we have no visibility into what's going on. What's the dynamic between Congress and Biden on this right now? It seems very unusual for a moment of national strife like this. Well, I think what you're identifying there is the difference between the legislative body, which has to face voters every two years or every six years, but repeatedly, and are close to, to their constituents, and an executive branch that really is divorced from the reality that the American people are feeling. And I've really, I've really been feeling this for the last 10 days, John. The American people were shocked by the spy balloon. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's when China came home to roost, literally for the American people, that they started to see this very immediately as a threat. And the disconnect between that visceral concern and the this kind of, I mean, casual attitude of the White House, I mean, for the president to say after the first shoot down over this weekend, say, oh, that was a success. Like, it's not a success if you're having to fire missiles over Alaska. So I think the Congress is responding as they do to what their constituents are saying to them and what their constituents are saying is this is a problem and we want something done. And, you know, I think for the Congress, it's an opportunity for bipartisan kind of unity on action on this. But the White House has, really has to wake up. Yeah, it really is a really nebulous comments. And you know, I've seen over the years John Kirby be really detailed and on the ball and be able to tell people what's going on. And he's been doing the dodge and duck in ways that I haven't seen. There was a belief yesterday that the more recent incursions really were not a military threat, but maybe the potential for them to run into a civilian aircraft at 20, 25,000 feet. That's been the stated reason still kind of unusual to shoot this many things down. Why so much use of military force? Well, that's that's what's unprecedented. To my, to my understanding, we haven't had any kind of violation of U.S. sovereignty responded to this way since 9-11. So this is a big deal. And there has been this kind of insistence that, you know, this isn't a military threat, so it's okay. 
well, what is it? It's a, it's a surveillance threat. There could be an accident. Uh, you know, the, the thing that was shot down Friday there, Kirby was saying, oh, you know, it was small. It was just the size of a small car. Well, if it malfunctioned and dropped to the earth, that could do a lot of damage. So, yeah, so that's, you know, that's not really reassuring. And, you know, Admiral Kirby's a professional. Uh, you know, he is certainly much more capable than the current White House press secretary. But when he is at this, this much of a loss, you know, they just don't have their story straight. And, I, you know, quite frankly, there shouldn't be a story. They should be leveling with the American people to the extent that they can. If this was a threat that was overlooked because it's relatively low tech, uh, because they were hoping for cooperation on climate change, for whatever reason, now's the moment to say, you know, we, we overlooked this, but we are after it now. And the president could look strong and they could look decisive and in sync with the American people, but they're doing the opposite. It's funny, uh, over the weekend, I bumped into a lot of people and the question that was predominant is, I thought we had the best radar and monitoring of our airspace. And it seems like we weren't noticing these things. And even some of them got in before we noticed them when we were on high alert after the first one. Describe a little bit about NORAD and its capabilities and why these balloons or other objects have been able to, in some cases, escape detection for a while or a long time? Well, I think that's an excellent question. And I think that the short answer is because we weren't looking for them. And you know, we were looking for an ICBM from North Korea, or we were looking for a Russian you know, fighter jet, a MiG or something to, to be penetrating our airspace. And I think what our enemies, whether it be China or China and Russia or China and Russia and North Korea to create a new axis of evil, uh, you know, whatever entity is is propelling these things has realized that was a vulnerability for us. You know, and it's it, it, to go back to 9-11. I mean, those were guys with box cutters on a commercial airplane. We weren't guarding against that. And that that is where they finally probed and found a vulnerability and were able to mount an attack. And I think I think that's what we're seeing here. And there's absolutely no reason for it. You know, the the installations in Alaska in particular under NORAD's control are you know, unbelievably sensitive. And I guess, you know, the the prevailing wisdom of three weeks ago was looking for stuff like this would kind of swamp the system with too many too many hits. But I think what we're realizing is, well, the system's going to have to adjust. And, you know, our enemies have figured out we're not looking for this stuff, so that's what they're using. And that's, you know, I think that's another very big wake-up call. And, you know, the other thing about NORAD that I'd, I'd point out is, you know, it does involve Mexico and, and Canada, and so we are able to jointly patrol for these threats, which is why, uh, while it was an American F-22 that shot down the second uh, intruder this weekend, it was done over over Yukon territory in Canada. So we were working very closely with the Canadians. And the good news there is that that is pretty much seamless cooperation. And we're very fortunate to have that. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. You had, I think, one of the most important op-eds in the last couple of weeks. A healthy budget makes for a strong military. You joined up with Congressman Chip Roy, but this is the sort of conversation that we need to have in America, and we keep kicking it under. We demagogue. The president demagogues on the idea that somehow Social Security and Medicare are going to be taken away. That's not going to be taken away. We know that. But there is a direct inherent connection between being fiscally healthy and being security strong. How does that message start to come through? And were these balloons and these incursions maybe a gift in some respect in the idea that it refocuses people that we got to get our house in order? Well, that's that's my hope that that hopefully not too much damage has been done by the balloons. Uh, you know, I'm sure they've gathered some sensitive information that would rather their uh, owners don't have. But at the same time, you know, people haven't died. Uh, you know, we we figured it out. So that that is positive. But really, for me, and and I would say by extension, Congressman Roy, what this has really heightened our awareness of of the, is the need. For us to be able to holistically, as the United States government, attack this issue. And we can't do it as a series of one-offs. We can't say, oh, we're against their buying farmland or, oh, we're against their flying these uh, unidentified objects into our airspace. We have to just say, overall, this is a huge problem. You know, we don't want to be 
at war or in conflict with China, but they appear to want to be in conflict with us. So if we're not going to just surrender, we have to do something about it. And the problem is that, you know, the incredibly reckless spending, and there is blame to go around on both sides of the aisle, but the last two years under the Biden administration have been a brave new world for reckless spending. The position that has put us in fiscally means we will have trouble mounting that kind of, you know, holistic response, which we had after the attacks on Pearl Harbor with World War II. You know, and so if we can take some basic steps now and, you know, we have to I mean we're not going to balance the budget on the back of the defense budget. That is clear. We all know that to be a fact. So no one is looking for defense cuts to achieve this. But we do have to look at where defense is spending money. And are they spending too much money on woke, you know, progressive social issues and not enough on looking for projectiles over Alaska? So, you know, making sure we have that balance right and then returning, I mean, the small step that we would ask for is let's get domestic discretionary spending back to pre-COVID levels. Let's just take it back to where we were, you know, in 2020. And when I think that you know, the, the gigantic bureaucracy that we have was amply funded. Uh, but, you know, we, we have to go back from the COVID levels. That it is too much, it's unsustainable, and it will prevent us from countering China and, God forbid, Russia. No, that is such a wise message. And a lot of people have been talking about that great op-ed. That was such a great contribution to the public dialogue over the last few days and more to come. There's been a unique phenomenon at the border. Clearly, the biggest phenomenon is that everybody's crossing the border in such large numbers that it's overwhelming this country, putting it at security risk. But there was a report out from the latest data that year over year, the apprehensions of Chinese nationals crossing the southern border had leapfrogged 700% in a single year. Why this surge and how concerning is it given all the other things we know China's up to? I think that that's precisely the point. It's one piece in this much larger puzzle of what they're doing. And we have to realize that they, you know, they are starting to buy farmland. Is it a ton right now? No, it's not, but it's picking up. Are these, you know, comparatively large numbers of people? No, but they're going up. And so you can look at, you know, their programs for fentanyl, their programs for, uh, for all of these, you know, sort of, small, what seem like small or non-actually kinetic uh, actions against the United States, and it adds up to an overall program. And they've figured out where our weakness is. And under Biden, they know that these people can just walk across the southern border. And just just as their, uh, their whatever we're calling them, UFOs, can, can penetrate American airspace because we're not looking. And in the case of this administration, it is an active policy. They, they want it to be an open border. They want there to be free entrance to the United States for whoever wants to come here. And if that means a few bad apples get in, you know, that's for them, that's acceptable risk. But I think for the vast majority of Americans, if we have Chinese nationals coming into this country, we want to know exactly who they are, why they are here and uh, be able to, to keep track of them while, you know, while they're resident in our country. We would prefer them not to be, you know, come, sort of pouring across the border willy-nilly. That's a really great point. Usually they're a sign of larger tensions and larger dynamics going on between our two countries. And clearly we aren't getting a good picture. It's striking to me, you know, I know Congress sounded off with a very clear voice about China, but the White House is even with knowing that the American public is deeply concerned, there's still a muddled message coming out of the White House. And I assume that has an impact. You're somebody that used to deal with our allies and our adversaries, the Deputy National Security Advisor. Are our allies and adversaries scratching their head a little bit saying, where is the U.S. on this? Oh, I think for sure they are. And, you know, as I was getting ready for this interview, John, the news broke that the U.K. has put out a public statement that they are preparing their defenses around the United Kingdom to defend against any Chinese surveillance uh, vessels coming into their airspace. So our, our allies are responding in real time to this with concern. And obviously, Canada has been impacted as well. And they have to be wondering, you know, is the United States willing to tolerate this? 
Are we willing to say this is normal? This is business as usual. This is sort of okay. Or are we going to do something strong? And, you know, the fact that, you know, Secretary Blinken is now publicly floating that he might meet with his Chinese counterpart at the Munich uh, Security Conference, which is in coming days. I mean, how embarrassing is that? I mean, there's no way Secretary Blinken should be meeting with any Chinese official and giving them that recognition and that legitimacy right now until we have a, I mean, not that we're going to get it, but what you would demand is a full accounting for what these things are, why they're in our airspace, and a pledge that you're not going to do it any again. Absent that, what do they have to talk about? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And it's funny that Britain would have a more clear, articulated plan for dealing with this when they haven't even had their airspace incursions like we have. But I guess that's the lesson of living under Joe Biden a little bit. Last question for you. I've been interested in watching this unfold. And I think you have had some of the best analysis on this. We now have seen Mike Pence's house visited by the FBI. They found yet another classified document after he looked for them and found some. Joe Biden, four or five different moments where they found Donald Trump, of course, Mar-a-Lago. Over the weekend, the archives released emails showing that after they had done a lot to call attention to, the archives had done a lot to call attention to President Trump's issues with documents, that they were working very cozily behind the scene with President Biden's lawyers to get the documents back and not have this become a public matter. And a lot of people looked at this over the weekend and said, it looks like the thumb was on the scale of the National Archives. They want Donald Trump to look bad and they're going to hide Joe Biden. Is there some concern from a security expert if one president gets treated differently than the other? Oh, there's a huge concern. And that this is such a blatant double standard uh, between, between the current president and the former president. And you know, an obvious exploitation of the situation at Mar-a-Lago to try to do political damage to the, you know, somebody who is a likely competitor to the president in the upcoming uh, election. And so this is this is just naked politicization of the National Archives. And, you know, it's it's so sad because there are so many excellent career professionals in that organization to take their important work very, very seriously and feel that they you know, have a real compact with, with the American people to preserve their records properly and make sure, I mean, that whole, the whole you know, structure that we live under now all came out of Watergate and all came out of uh, records that had been willfully changed, you know, leaving us with questions to this day. So you know, that, that is a very important charge and you know, what these these you know, truly fine professionals are being undermined by a few with some very strong, it's a little bit like the FBI, very strong ideological motivations who are trying to manipulate the institution for political purposes. It's shameful and it has to stop. Yeah, no, it definitely does, especially when security is at the heart of all of these issues. We shouldn't be playing politics with that. It used to be that we didn't ever play politics with security today. Seems to be a lot different. Victoria, it's always an honor to have you on the show. What's the best way for people to follow all your great work like that op-ed, all the stuff that you're doing at Heritage these days? Well, well, thank you, John. I always enjoy visiting with you, and I appreciate the attention of your, your listeners. Uh, I am on Twitter, probably a little bit too much, at Victoria Coates, and I have a homepage on uh, heritage.org. If you go on Heritage's excellent website, you find many things from the Daily Signal to to our issue briefs. We churn out information at a record rate right now under our great president, Kevin Roberts. Uh, but you can find all my things there as well. Well, I'm one to argue that you can be on Twitter as much as you want. I love following your Twitter feed. It's one of the most informed Twitter feeds in all of the country. Well, there would be a little less eagles on it now. Yeah, well, it's a great honor to have you on. Our audience loves you. So thanks for the time today. Thank you, John. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back to wrap things up in just a few seconds. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? 
Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. Hey, keep an eye on the website over the next few days. We're going to do some really important investigative work on that horrific cargo train crash that occurred in Ohio, in the town of East Palestine, Ohio. As bad a crash as it was, as bad as a controlled fire as it was, we're learning a lot more about the lack of capabilities in the rail industry to detect a problem. Why do I say that? Well, first off, there was now significant evidence that for more than 20 miles, the train was driving with a badly damaged axle. In fact, the axle was so bad, it was on fire and nobody noticed. It wasn't detected. And the train safety didn't detect it. The security systems, the crossing rails, and the video didn't detect it. That's a pretty significant new fact. And it just came out today. Now, a second part of this is we're learning that there are a lot more chemicals that were on that train that were unsafe. And this is very important stuff. There were at least three chemicals on there that we didn't previously know about, and now we do. One is glycol monobutyl ether, another is ethyl hexyl acrylate, and the third is isobutylene. Those are three chemicals that have, some have connections to carcinogens or cancer-causing agents. Some can cause bad side effects like coughing, short of a breath, dizziness, drowsiness, irritation. It's a week after the crash, more than a week after the crash. We're still learning about what we didn't know was on the train. And there are long-term concerns. There are reports of animals dying mysteriously in the region. There are discussion about toxic chemicals, maybe getting into the farmland around there, potentially long-term harming us. Just think about that. We're going to have a good story tying all of the failures and news together. We'll have that hopefully in the next 24 hours. So keep an eye on the website. A big thank you to Rick Grinnell, Victoria Coates for some really thoughtful interviews today. A lot of food for thought there. A lot of good warning signs about where our country is going under Joe Biden and how we're viewed in the security space after these really crazy four shootdowns over the U.S. skies in the last few days. Two great interviews. Be sure to check out justthenews.com. We got you covered 24-7 with breaking headlines. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, God bless you and have a great evening. God bless this great country as well. As he always has, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.